welcome to round nine of Don the Stat. Uh, apologies, we're a little bit late on the schedule once again. Uh, another week of, of the odd technical difficulty, the, the joys of going live. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're back for week nine. Uh, thanks again for everybody for all their feedback and getting on board and, um, and giving us a listen uh, both through Twitter and through the, uh, the podcast apps. It's, uh, it's been great to get so much feedback. But um, yeah, big game against the Swans this week coming off a win. And joined as always with my co-host Ian Hume. Humey, how are you, mate? Good, Jono. And how good is it to be talking about a win for once instead of trying to find positives in a in a otherwise poor performance? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think I've I'd run out of ways to try and dig blood out of a stone, mate, to to turn some of our losses into positives. So that win came at a good time. That's it. So, I mean, obviously, fantastic to win over the the bitter rivals of Hawthorne, and there was a lot to like about about that win and a lot of our thoughts actually stood up. So as always, we'll go through those first. Uh, so the first idea, the first thought we had was on Draper uh, with the addition of Brian to the mix. How would he go uh, when he was no longer the solo ruck? He seemed to pick up his form when Phillips went out of the side. Uh, how would he go with Brian? And I think uh, everyone will agree that he excelled there. Now, he obviously was going up against a less experienced ruck than this time and that that may have played a part in his second half dominance, but I mean, he had four disposals, but he was close to the most impactful player on the ground. Uh, if you, as, as much as you want to read into super coach points, he had over a hundred super coach points for that few disposals. Just tells you what sort of impact that he had. What did you notice about the way he played? Um, I, I, it, he had a slow start, didn't he? I, it sounds like he came into the game. Uh, he was another one who who was battling the illness. So, um, uh, uh, you know, my it wasn't a worry, but it's it's been a little bit of a pattern that when he's played against either lesser ruckman or he's had a, a ruckman, uh, you know, another ruckman in the side, he just hasn't had that same level of energy and enthusiasm that that we know makes us a much better team and and has other guys walk taller. So, yeah, Lynch got forward a few times early on both Draper and Brian and and kicked he kicked two one I think in the end and um, probably around the ground. Um, you know, was the better of the three rucks for a while there. But Draper's last quarter was incredible. Obviously helped by Lynch going off the ground with the concussion test. But, um, yeah, the the energy when he's at that level just brings other players into the game. So, um, so yeah, big tick for me, absolutely. Absolutely. And they've kept that same structure this week in terms of the two rucks, which we'll get into later. Uh, next one was to be brave through the corridor to expose Hawthorne's inability to defend forward 50 Andrews. And, and we saw that particularly towards the end of the game, the way that we were able to get repeat entries and and generate entries from clearance. Uh, One thing I noticed in terms of being brave was we really took on the kickouts a a lot of the time. We were far more brave with our kickouts. There was multiple attempts to go straight down the corridor. Uh, Not all of them, not all of them paid off, but there was a sense that they were trying to expose Hawthorne that way. There was was eight more entries than average, and we had uh, one mark for every three inside fifties, which is compare which is compared to one every uh, four for the rest of the season. So we really took them on there and really exposed them that way. Yeah, we. I mean, uh, there was a number of facets to it, wasn't it? We we were we moved the ball forward more often, um, whether it was by hand or by foot. So um, you know, a lot of forward handballing and forward knock-ons that were sort of part of our DNA a bit last year, weren't they? Um, you know, didn't always have to be clean disposal, but just get territory. So we did that, run from behind, um, from hind, um, and also Redmond and McGrath was was really important. And that's the 
the best we've seen from those guys this year. Um, Heppel was intercepting, and and they were they were running off him, which was really important. Um, and then and then yeah, I think having the taller forwards um, obviously helped. Francis did a good job creating space for Wright and keeping. You know, Sicily was the the next point. I'll probably just segue straight into it. But you know, um, you know, my left field suggestion before we knew that there was going to be five laid outs was to send Cutler to him. Um, in the end, Francis came in and did a, a really good job and kicked two goals himself. Um, you know, Sicily had comparable disposals to what he's had during the season. I think he was sort of four or five down, um, which was probably enough to have a bit of an impact. He was down a couple of marks and a couple of intercepts on normal, but I think also a lot of his disposals were quite deep. Uh, so he wasn't able to use his foot skills to penetrate from sort of, you know, the, the middle of the ground or, or sort of outside the defensive 50. Um, so, yeah, I thought um, our ball movement and, and um, restricting Sicily was um, really important, mate. I think, I think both of those helped us win the game. Absolutely. And I think another thing that really played into was attacking through clearance. And it was really stark, the difference between the clearances in the first half and the second half. So Essendon were down four to 12 centre clearances at, at half time, and you would have thought that would have been an area of strength in the first half. I actually won the second half, you know, nine to two. Uh, and you, you could see, especially once the Hawthorne Ruckman went off the ground, there was a there was a real dominance of, of the ruck work and of the clearances. So, yeah, nine to two in the second half. And that was probably the driving force behind the comeback and just that wave of pressure that Hawthorne was unable to stop. Yeah, I think sometimes we've fallen into the habit of trying to play perfect football. So, if... You know, if Draper's not putting it down, you know, Shields' throat or um, Parrish's throat and we can't run clean and then hit up a leading target, we kind of get a little bit lost. And we're a bit more agricultural about the way we went about things at times, weren't we? So, yes, that was great when we could do it. But, again, that sort of forward momentum, Draper just grabbing and running and um, doing, you know, weird stuff with the ball. Um, but just making sure that we had forward momentum, I think, was a was a really big difference to, to how we've gone about things over the first part of the year. Absolutely. And just finally, moving on to considering that we, we tried to make, as you sort of said, that the, the territory and, and trying to play positive footy, uh, you know, trying to take risks. We actually, even though we, we were taking a lot more risks and, you know, we actually had far more kicks, to, a far better or for a far starker uh, kick to handball ratio than we previously had. So it was 1.7 kicks per handball against Hawthorne compared to a 1.32 season average even with even with the extra kicking our, our turnovers were down you know kicks are probably a, a higher risk than a handball of being a turnover so the fact that they were down you know the, the risk the risk came off uh one of the things i did during the week was to really look at our our exits from defensive 50 from kickouts i think one of the things with kickouts is that it's a it's a set play for you and you get to set the tempo so it's, it's different to a set play in in a ruck contest because it's a bit more a bit more chaos, you know, you don't know ex- exactly what's going to happen. Whereas when you've got the kick out, you know, you, you've got, you've got control of, of the momentum there and you can, you can set up the way you want. I was really, really interested to see that we very much avoided the traditional way that we've been kicking out this year in terms of either short into the pocket or long to a big pack. We really avoided that this time. There were some mistakes. It certainly wasn't, it certainly wasn't as, effective as it could have been. There was only two forward 50 injuries and one goal generated from that, but there was a real sign that they were trying to take more positive options than what they were doing previously. And I thought that played in, I thought that 
represented that attitude well. Yeah, it was two things for me, mate. So it, it was exactly as you said, but it, yeah, we didn't get a, a lot of um, inside 50 from it. But it did mean that when it, it became a neutral contest, so Hawthorne forced it out, out of bounds or, or got a stoppage, that that was happening, you know, center wing um, or further up the ground rather than it happening at, you know, 50 or 60 meters from from our opposition's goal. So um, I thought that that definitely made a difference. And then I think it was just attitude. We kind of just got on with things better, didn't we, when we when we made a mistake for a lot of this year. a guy, Someone would turn it over or make a mistake and then heads would fall. We wouldn't get into position. But I, I really felt on Saturday night we just got on with it when, when there was a mistake. And I think that's the key. Don't You don't need to play perfect football. Um, but, you know, Ben Hobbs was a great example, wasn't he, that the one where he, he um, tried to really aggressively kick across ground stuffed up the kick, turned it over, and then got across and competed, um, I think, with Nick Martin, wasn't it? Um, and they and in the end, uh, got a free kick for holding the ball. So just a really good example of, yeah, sort of stuffed up, own it, get on with it, and try and win the ball back. And, yeah, I, I, that was brilliant. So, yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. And just on that, it was really – you could see he's got some football clever because he actually, he actually drags that ball back under the Hawthorne player but makes it look like the Hawthorne players dragged it under it. So he's actually, you know, basically, you know, it was his mistake in the first place that created the the issue, but he created the free kick as well through just a bit of footy smarts there. But that sort of flows into, you know, is this a is this a new game style? Have they released the shackles and gone right? We're gonna we move away from what we were doing before. Uh, is this just a result of you know five late changes and? and the, the coaches are saying that you know let's just let's just go out and play. Let's not worry too much about all all the things that we've been working on. What do you what do you see as that? Is that is that just do you think it's just a one off? Do you think they'll go back to what they've been doing previously, or are they just going to let it flow from here? Um, it's it's hard to say. I, I think when you have five changes before a game, and uh, I know you know people probably besides Ridley will debate whether any of them were. Um, uh, you know, they're not necessarily our best players going out, and the guys that came in were were relatively similar in ability. But um, it, it still changes your your approach to the game, and I, I think it was clear that they just threw the rule book out a little bit to an extent, and, and we played with more freedom. Um, it, it did the changes did force us to have an extra tall forward, didn't it? So. Um, so um, we ended, or two, was it in the end? So Francis and Baldwin came in as two of those late changes, didn't they? So, um, so we, yeah, we we ended up being taller forward than we might have been otherwise. But, um, but yeah, I think it, I think it's just more mentally for the players. I think more than the game plan changing. I I expect. I think just without, uh, I think a lot of our fans made the same comment on Twitter. You know. The, you just go to the game without expectation of winning and just go to enjoy it. And it kind of looked like our players had that same attitude. They just went out there and had some fun and, and played with a little bit more freedom mentally and emotionally. And I think that allowed them to just play better footy. Absolutely. And I guess the, the question then becomes, is this sustainable against a better team than, than Hawthorne? I think Hawthorne, Hawthorne had probably been talked up a lot this year, just comparative to what the results are. And if you, and if you actually looked at, how Hawthorne was playing. It was a very patchy, a lot of times a very patchy game. So they, they were out of the contest a fair bit in a lot of games where teams would get a run on. And if you if you watch that first half, they, they miss a few gettable shots and it could very likely, we, we would have been coming back from 40 points down as opposed to 25, which is what we did. You know, and then that's a different game. So 
is this sustainable against better teams than Hawthorne? I guess I guess this is a really good week to see it as we, we move on to Sydney. Yeah, we, we find out a bit more about that this week. But I think the thing that's certain is what we were doing before wasn't working and wasn't sustainable. So um, I think, uh, you know, we need to – we needed a, a fresh approach and, and, yeah, we get a good look at it this week, don't we? Absolutely. So moving on moving on to Sydney and, and memories memories of, of that playing that club and – uh, as as fans would know, there's a there's a fair bit of it's 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 one of the underrated uh, rivalries of of the past twenty years, just even longer if you go back probably to the to the Lockett game in '96, uh, the the prelim final. Uh, so many close games. I think you pointed out on Twitter that you know the average uh, result, the average margin between the two sides in the last four games was about four points. I think it was yeah. On those lines. Yeah. Away, I I was a bit creative there, mate, and left the final from a couple of years out. Um, of the calculation. Uh, but yeah, home and away games at the SCG have been an average margin of, um, of yeah, less than four points. So there's been some awfully close battles. That's it. And yeah, so just obviously, there's probably a lot of things that we could talk about. Uh, we are playing Sydney later in the year as well. So there are, I guess we can save some of them for then. Uh, but Obviously, the 96 prelim is a big moment for both of us. Uh, as I said last week, it's my second football memory after the Wanganine uh, hitting the post in the Brisbane final two weeks before. What was your recollection of the 96 prelim? Yeah, I, I sat up at home and, and watched it. My my dad was actually up in Sydney. Um, so I, you, normally, you know, footy in those days meant watching it with him. But uh, I watched it at home with my, well, at the time, little brother, not so little anymore, but... Um, uh, yeah, I I was shattered when that happened, and um, and yeah, I think I would have only been 13 at the time, and, and sort of ran to bed and and uh, cried myself to sleep. So I was pretty gutted. Um, yeah, uh, absolutely. But yeah, a couple of um, other ones too that probably don't rate to mention. So Lloydy kicked what 13 against them at the G um, one day. I just felt like he was marking and kicking everything, which was which was pretty amazing. And then one that sticks in my mind, that it was a game in 2002 at Stadium Australia against the Swans. Um, and Ricky Mott, if you remember him, was um, uh, their ruckman. So I think he played Carlton, I think, initially and then ended up at the Swans. Um, he, he missed a shot either after or right on the siren, which would have given them the win. So it was another it was another close game. And um, Kevin Morris was an assistant coach at Essendon at the time. And he... Um, the first thing he did on Monday was have me bring the footage of that up and, and we used to get the behind-the-goals footage as well from the broadcaster. So you could kind of look at the game from the broadcast angles but also just from behind the goals. And I I had nightmares for a week and a half of that kick because he, he made me dissect it looking at his ball drop and all of those kind of things so so much that, um, yeah, it kind of took the gloss off things for me a little bit. But, um, yeah, that was a bit random. But, yeah, anyway, make sure we... Um, should we have a chat to chat about uh, this week? What's happened on the selection table? Yeah, so we have, we have changed up our, our structure. We're going to start with selection before we move on to Sydney. We just think it's a bit of a better format. We'll see how it goes. If you've got any feedback, let us know. Uh, but we'll start with we'll start with Sydney. So in is Hickey, uh, Wicks and Bell, and out is Ronk, McLean, uh, Campbell, and their sub, uh, Clark, hasn't been selected at this stage. Uh, the big name there probably is Tom Hickey. Uh, when when I talk to Sydney fans and my uh, stepdad is a Sydney fan, I'll be watching with him uh, on the weekend. Uh, Hickey is one they all, they talk a lot about in terms of setting setting a lot of the tone for how they play. He's just one of those heart, uh, become a heart and soul player for them, and really gives them gives them a lot of uh, 
gives them a, gives them a lot of motivation and, and and moves forward. What else do you notice from from their selections? Does it tell you anything at this stage? Yeah, I, I guess the the hope for us, if there is one, is that Hickey's underdone. Right, he hasn't played since round three, so he's been out for. So what he, he's missed four. So yeah, yeah, he's a big guy. Interesting to see how he comes back. Let's hope that um, that Draper and um, and Brian can run him and Laddams around. I mean, Laddams kind of went to Sydney, didn't he, wanting to play more time in the ruck, and now he's going to end up playing, you know, more of a forward. Um, and then Wicks and Bell are small forwards, so they're obviously trying to to get a bit of impetus in that part of the ground, and and would know from having um, done their analysis on us that we're vulnerable to small forwards. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Wicks and Bell join Papley and and obviously um, Heaney will, will sort of spend time midfield and forward. So, yeah, I think that'd be the plan there. I think they've kept McLean as an emergency, hasn't he? I, I wonder if there's a bit of a watch on um, on Buddy. He he injured his hand in that game against the Suns and um, looked like he had to get his sort of fingers strapped, strapped up and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, watch this space um, but if Buddy does play it'd be nice to see whoever's on him um, do a little bit of um, who is the Bulldogs player that got Lloydy oh Credit Hook Credit Hook yeah um, yes. a little bit of that action might not go astray um, but yeah and then obviously we've brought what four of the guys back in haven't we that, that were the laid outs Ridley Kelly Guelphie and, and Durham um, you know which all made sense I, I think they're probably the obvious ones um, you know Ridley's a, a straight swap for Zerk Thatcher um It'll be interesting to see who gets the buddy matchup, whether it's Ridley or the uh, Verde. I doubt Verde. they'll put. Yeah, I doubt they'll put um, Reed on him, and then um, Kelly probably comes in to play on Papley. Guelphie for Smith is pretty much a straight swap, and and Durham for Ham is a. I get you know they different types of wingers, aren't they? But um, but you know straight swap on the wing. Durham obviously gives us some hardness and and a bit of a bit more ability in the air than than Ham has. So yeah. Um, Absolutely. I think we'll get into what that means for, for structure a bit later. But, uh, you know, the, we've taken the three tall forwards worked well for us last week and we, we've taken one of those out. But I think considering the nature of the ground, I think that that sort of that is sort of the thinking there. But we'll get into that a bit later because we're now going to focus on, on Sydney and how they've been going this year. Uh, so they've, they made a really strong start. They were five and one after six rounds and they've lost the last two. Uh, lost the last two to Lions and Suns, and interestingly, they've both been at the SCG. Those losses, uh, so it is it is an interesting form line for them. Obviously, they've had some good wins, so they've defeated the Cats. Uh, Giant, they defeated the Giants first up, which in hindsight probably doesn't look like as good a win as previously. And they've also beaten uh, North West, sorry, Northwest Coast and Hawthorne. So uh, they've played a lot of bottom bottom tier sides. Probably the only win in that that you would consider to be a quality win at this stage is the Cats. So I, I think they're probably a fair reflection where they are at four to six, but there's there's definitely some there's definitely some question marks over over those results. Now we are we are currently a bottom eight team, so you know that that might reflect in the, the overall result there. But uh, if we're on the way up, then again this could be they could be right for the picking there. Uh, as we mentioned before, uh, we thought Hickey had been a big out and I, I'm, I'm very interested to see the fact that they've, they've put both Hickey and Laddams together. They haven't played together this year. Uh, I think they're being pretty reluctant to play the two big ruckmen. As you sort of pointed out, Laddams is not a big fan of uh, playing playing forward. He wants to play ruck. Uh, but what I, what I did notice also, just, just looking at it, uh, one of the things I thought might have been a drop-off that's caused some of their, their losses in the last couple of weeks was the Laddams-Hickey change. 
But uh, since Laddams has been in, they've had you know similar clearance numbers and similar hitout numbers, so it hasn't actually affected them from a from a you know the the, the metrics that you would consider for for a big man there. Uh, in terms of actual, in terms of overall stats, it's fairly similar to last year. They're still 1.6 kicks per handball compared to 1.5 the previous year. They're slightly down on marks inside 50 and contested marks, but it's only by uh, one one per game for the contested marks. So very there's very little noise in in the in the stats between the two. So it suggests that they're playing a fairly similar style uh, and they do have a good mix of experience and youth. It's quite, you know, quite handy to have the Sydney Academy. I, I would imagine that, you know, you can just keep churning through some, some good young talent and getting that into the team. Settle down. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Fair, fair enough. Um, Isaac Heaney sort of is the st- he's become the standout player in that you know they've got obviously still got Buddy and, and Parker's a, Parker's a great player but Isaac Heaney is the one that that sort of stands out as as the key influencer of the player. He's career best this year so far for goals and tackles per game, and his clearances are back up to the level he was at a midfielder. So if you think sort of about uh, it, it seems to me a bit more a bit of like Jake Stringer's second half of last year. You know he's influencing the game in the middle, but he's also influencing the game up forward, and that that's really that's a really important uh, person for them to have playing well because, again, those are the sort of players that break games open, you know, and, and in, in tight arm wrestles can be the, the big difference, which often games between Essendon and Sydney have been. So I guess you've, you've done a bit more of a deeper dive into their previous games, particularly the games against the Suns. What have you noticed? Yeah, I think the first thing is they're the best team in the AFL for, for sort of starving the opposition of the ball. And I think that's because they are typically a really strong clearance side, so they're getting first look at it. Um, they're, uh, you know, they're a reasonably good intercept side um, as well, and then also partly due to the fact that they play on the SCG and the, the dimensions of it make it a bit easier to close up space. So, um, so you know, they're, they're really good in that part of the ground. Um, they they do really try and take on the corridor, so. Um, when they're particularly when they're moving the ball out of their back half, so they they go through the middle twenty percent of the time when they exit, and that's the the third highest of any side in the comp. So yeah, they're they're really aggressive, particularly at home when they're playing at the, the SCG in, in trying to get the ball through the middle of the ground. Um, but I I think I don't know if they've been able to really replace um, Dawson and Hewitt. So. Dawson's obviously gone across to the Crows and Hewitt to the Blues, and uh, and I think in in doing that they've lost two mature bodies through there. Or Dawson sort of midfield halfback and, and Hewitt in the midfield. So um, I I don't reckon they they have quite replaced those two, and and I think they're relying a bit more on their star power to win games. You see in their losses, Heaney, Parker, and Mills are, are certainly um, quieter compared to their wins. You know, it's not uncommon when you lose, you're going to have players down on form. But I think they're, they're relying on those guys more than than probably we've seen from Sydney teams in the past. Um, and then on top of that, Kennedy, uh, Josh Kennedy's quite a way down on his form from last year. I'm always reluctant to say these kind of things because we love playing a guy into form. But yeah, he's he's averaging, um, he's down from 24 disposals a game last year down to, to less than 16. Contested possessions down from seven to to two, uh, sorry, down from 11 to seven and then clearances down from five and a half to two and a half. So, and, and he's he spending, has, sorry, mate, he has yeah. played a few games as a sub. Yeah. So, I yeah, mean, yeah. That, that probably plays some part in the, in the, plays some part in, in his averages. And I think one of the things they've been trying to do is, is 
use him as a sub late in games where the games where the, the pace is slowed down and he's not as exposed so much on that part. Yeah, well, it, it certainly says a lot about his ability to be able to to cover the ground compared to what he used to. Um, and and you know, even even against the Suns where he did start, he was spending a bit of time on a wing, not going in inside as often as he was. So yeah, so he's definitely not having the year that he had last year. So you take. Hewitt out of their their midfield who, you know, I, I guess in many ways they would have been hoping Kennedy kind of winds back a little bit. Hewitt's ready to go to fill that void and, and they haven't been able to replace that. Um, Florence down a little bit from, from where he was performing last year. He's not running and carrying the ball as much as he was, not getting as much of it as he, as he was last year. Um, and Cunningham is, is probably the other one who's down a little bit as well. Um, and, and he was one last year that was really good at getting the ball in all thirds of the ground. So he's good at getting in the middle, but he's also really good at getting back to help out and then really good at getting it um, into the into the inside. And then they've got some guys who have improved. And um, so it's not all one direction here. Um, I think Justin McIndurney is a, a guy who has probably gone under the radar of a lot of, um, I guess, not being in the Victorian hype bubble. Um, but he's really taken his game to another another level. He's getting a lot more of the ball and he's getting some clearance ball as well. Um, he's only 21. I think he's going to be a really good player. Um, and then Warner is is probably the the one that they're trying to get to to become that replacement for for Kennedy and um, and for Hewitt. Hewitt. Um, but he's he's not a great user, so he's he's definitely getting more of it. He's winning some more clearances, but um, but he's not a great kicker the footy and um, and you know he's one. If you were going to pick a Swans midfielder to kick the ball inside 50. Uh, for for our from our perspective, he's the one that we would we would like to see doing it. And, you know, watch him hit Buddy on the on the chest now seven times in a row at some point. But um, um, and then Row Bottoms um improving as well, and he's had a bit of a change. So he's he's getting some run with roles, and he went to Took Miller last week um against the Suns, and um so post stoppage, he didn't go into the middle of the ground with him. Um, he, he did that post stoppage, and um and and did a good job, kept him to twenty disposals. Um, and it also prompted took to to get forward a bit and try and break that, which was something that I think we've been a, a little bit haphazard at doing when we've had guys getting tagged. So I, I would imagine he'll go to merit this week, and it'll be interesting to see whether we, you know, with a arguably deeper midfielder than what we've had with you know Hobbs, Caldwell, and uh, Perkins all running around the um, forward line, whether it might allow us to send Zach forward and allow. Um, you know, Caldwell or, or Hobbs probably the, the more likely one to spend more time running around the midfield post clearance. So, um, and then I, I think the big one for them, I, I touched on it, is is contested ball. So they, um, the four weeks, you know, where they did get, it, I know they lost to Brisbane, but they got a little bit of a run on in there. They um, they were the number one team um, for um, contested possession differential. So they were plus sixteen a game. Uh, and they ended up losing the contested ball, one thirty nine to one twenty four against the Suns. And it was really obvious from watching the game that um, that the Suns really went hard and went to work around the contest. And, and I think if you can get them there, then you you stand a really good chance. Absolutely. And I think the, the Suns seem to have the wood over the Swans at the SCG for some reason. There seems to be, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a blind spot for the Swans that they can't seem to beat the Suns at home. Hopefully, we can you know take some of what the Suns have done. And you know, apply that, apply that in our game, and 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 get on top of them that way. Well, I guess we'll move on to the, the match tactics. I think one of the things that you pointed out earlier is that they they have brought in those 
those small forwards. You know, as as we saw against as we saw against the Bulldogs, it, it wasn't the big name small forwards that, that got us. It was those those lesser lights that that you sort of pointed out uh, in the preview that that ended up getting a hold of us. One thing that one thing that happened last week uh, was McGrath seems to have gone back. You know, as a as a full time defender, he didn't attend any centre bounces last week. So having him back there again may may help deal with that that problem. He he can potentially you know, lock down and, and still run off whilst you've also got Hind and Kelly there to cover Papley and, and the other ones that are down there. But I guess what are the what are the big things for you in terms of beating the Swans? What what do you see as the key key points? Yeah, just on that quickly, it'll be interesting to see what happens with McGrath now, right? Because with Kelly back, it gives us it effectively relegates McGrath, I'd imagine, to the eighth defender and you wouldn't typically rotate that many guys through there. He might he might cover for Hind or Redmond when they're on the bench. Um, but then we've also got Cutler in the side as well. So um, I, I hope McGrath does spend more time back. But um, well, it's, it's almost nine defenders, really. We're picked, yeah. I guess, in that sense. Yeah. So, I mean... McGrath and Cutler can obviously play wing and, and will. They'll need to. Um but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how how we get that balance right because it has worried me for a while. And I, you know, I posted it on Twitter and uh, earlier this week that, that did we look better balanced down back without Kelly? And that wasn't a, a criticism of him because he's played some really good footy for us. I, I just think that you know um, it, it sort of had a bit of an influence on the way Heppel was playing, and then. Um, yeah, push some other things around. So anyway, um, he, he's back, and I hope you know. I, I imagine he'll get Papley, and let's hope he, he keeps him kickless, and um, and we do a good job down there. But I, I think in terms of the three things that I'm I'm really hoping we get right um, this week, um, uh, and for me, it's less about the Swans forward line. I think if we get the other parts of the ground right, then then I think it, the rest of it falls into place. But I I think the Swans' defence can be really shaky, so I, I'd like us to keep our three talls. So Brian, obviously being the third tall, Brian or Draper, um, as as often as possible, um, because we want to make uh, the two McCartan brothers accountable. They're they're both really good at, at reading the play and dropping off, and they're their top two two interceptors. Um, Paddy McCartan in particular has had a really good year, uh, which is great to see. Uh, you know, as a pure football fan, it's it's really great to see him playing. For, good footy. Uh, well, playing footy at all, but playing good footy. But they're their top two interceptors. So I think if we can keep them um, busy um, and not allow... I imagine Tom will probably go to Peter Wright. So if we can um, if we can keep Patrick busy through Francis, like the job that he did similar to Sicily last week, then um, I think that can be really beneficial. But more importantly, I think it, it means that Rampy will get a tall matchup. And I think if you can get him playing tall, you can really stretch him. He's, he doesn't seem to have some of the the athletic attributes that he used to. Chol really worried him last week. You can see any, every time the Suns went to Chol, um, Ramp, he got really nervous in the air. And, and then Chol was too mobile on the ground. Um, Nick Bryan's not quite quite Chol, but he's not too dissimilar in terms of his ability to, to win ground ball. So, um, yeah, I, I keep the three tools on the ground as often as possible. And then... Jake Lloyd's the other one down there. Without Dawson, he's their prime run and carry off halfback. So um, I think it's a big game for Guelphie to to really restrict his um, ability to run. But um, you know, Blakey's the player down there that sort of uses it by foot. But Jake Lloyd's their point of difference. He's he's their real runner. Cunningham will get back at times, but Jake Lloyd's the the one. But the thing that the Suns did really well, and and I hope that we can do the same 
is they they really um, look to expose him one-on-one and he's not very good in the air. So Lukosius and Ainsworth, who are smaller forwards, but both good above head. So for us, you think guys like Perkins, you think um, you think Nick Martin, you know, at any time they get the Lloyd matchup, they should really be trying to isolate and become the target. And that means guys like Peter Wright and um, Francis need to sacrifice their game and just clear out. Um, because I think if you know if Perkins and, and Martin in particular can get forward on right, uh, sorry on Jake Lloyd a few times throughout the game, then we can we can create some goals that way. So need to stop him running and carrying, and Guelph is probably the one that can do that. But Perkins and um, you know Guelphy Perkins and Nick Martin, if they get that much up, they need to to make sure that they're isolating him as much as possible. So so that's number what, one. Well, just on just on that, and sort of building into what your next point's going to be, you'll be thinking about the forward line. Talk obviously Peter Wright. Is the, is the standout one of the stands for last week? He didn't even bring him up actually, which is a bit of a sh- we should, probably should have brought him up as well with these six goals. But one of the things that you know we haven't haven't always had a great forward line uh, or great performance as a forward line. But one thing that we've often been able to do is isolate him and, and get him space. How do you do that on a small ground like the SCG? And it's not like you can. It's not like back in the day where you could put you know you play with five forwards because you have to start with six these days. How do you how do you try and get him space to work or do you just say like you sort of pointed out you, you, you use him as a decoy and you go with the smaller players like Perkins and and uh, Martin you know to, to try and you know work around work around those small dimensions yeah I I think it, there's multiple elements to it so the most obvious one is fast ball movement right the, the quicker you get it in then the less time um, you get to adjust so I think I think taking advantage of the 6-6-6 when we've got it, i.e. clearances are, are really important to, to giving right space. But I think it, part of a forward group working together is that right doesn't always become the target. And I think, you know, it's no good this week, Peter Wright kicking six and, and you know, we kick 10 goals for the game. We're going to need to kick, you know, 15 or 16 goals or more to win it. So um, I think we need to find a greater spread of goal kickers. And that means that... Um, you know, we need to use all of our forwards and at different times isolate different matchups. Um, and, you know, it sort of leads into my next point, I guess, that I think the thing, the way that you'd be uh, partly achieves that space in front of the ball is to, is to, is how we take the space offensively when we've got the ball, particularly with the way that we bring it off um, half back. And, um, and the Suns again did this really well last week. So, so they were prepared to play tempo footy when they needed to. So so when the Swans dropped back, they just switched the ball. So they would go from one side of the ground to the other to the other. And if they had to do that three or four times um, to maintain possession, they were prepared to do it. And I think there's a difference between slow ball movement and tempo ball movement for me. So I think, you know, that slow, confusing, not really sure where to go, no one's moving style that, that we're playing earlier in the year is, is not what I, I mean when I say this. But continual ball movement, um, but trying to shift the Swans' defence, even if it means we're not going forward quickly, I think really works up there to create space. So you're drawing, you're drawing Swans' defenders out and all their midfielders out to pick up um, opponents and drawing them out of our forward 50. And then what you do need to do is the second that you get space in front of you and you can take it by foot, then you take it. So um, the, the second that Hind, Redmond, Martin... Um, McGrath. McGrath, those guys get the opportunity. Merit get the opportunity to run, then then you take it. So 
Um, you don't want to just long bomb and get excited by the fact that it's a small ground. If you kick it from the center, you're inside 50 because the Swans will carve that up. But um, con- continual ball movement, even if it's sideways um, um, or backwards at times to move the Swans off uh, defense around, um, I think it's really important. And then and then as soon as you do have the opportunity to um, to take some space by foot, you really do that and, and really run the ball. Um so, yeah, that, that sort of offensively and then defensively, I think it's sort of that, but in inverse. So, really, really do press up and get in their face. And um, I think one of the things that I think has hurt our defensive structure is that, that Jake Kelly is a real man-on-man defender, right? So, um, we saw last week Laverde did a really good job of being their last line defender, but standing in front of his opponent. So he was really confident to either get back when he needed to or come and attack the ball. So there were a number of times where we won the ball back because Laverde was prepared to leave his man. Um, so how we do that with Kelly in the side is a bit of a watch this space. And and Heppel, um, what did he have? 12 intercept marks or something for the game, which is phenomenal. So um, how we readjust to that, I'm not too sure. But we, we really need to get up in the Swans' face um, press really high, but then make sure whoever's in that anchor role, if it's Laverde or Kelly, is prepared to leave their man um, when they need to. And then, last but not least, is is that contested ball situation. If we can if we can win that um, again, then I think we we obviously go a long way to winning the game. But I, I think we mid, we rotated our midfield a lot more last week, which was really good to see. Caldwell had his most number of uh, centre bounce attendances. Hobbs went in there at times, and and um, I think there's an opportunity for for us to play some kids on kids this week. So, um, you know, I, I'd be nervous sending Hobbs in there to play on Kennedy, but if he's in there playing on um, one of the Swans young guys, then, you know, it's a good opportunity to see where he's at and develop his game. So, yeah, really crack in and win that contested ball, but, um, but get more numbers through there. And Swans are a team that, that rotate their mids um, more than most. So we're going to need to to keep an eye on that. Absolutely. And so that sort of takes us through to our, our final thoughts. And uh, you posted about this on Twitter uh, just, just before the show. Uh, we got a few thoughts there. But the final thought is, you know, we've had, you think about our history with the Swans, we've had, you know, sprinklers left on before the game. So we're slipping over. You know, we've had Rowan manhandling Gleason on on the goal line, and then Dan Ramp- Dan Rampy Dan Ramp- Rampy climbing the post. Uh, what's the what's the random thing that's going to happen against Sydney this week? And we just had a couple of responses uh, on Twitter. We had Adrian who said a pet dog with Buddy written on it invading the field during play, which would be a nice callback to uh, the pig on the grounds uh, from Plugger. And then Vince who said not one but two controversial goal reviews sparking critical. Uh, momentum shifts. So, uh, outside of those, what what random things do you think is going to occur in this game against Sydney that we're going to be talking about in years to come? <laughs> I don't know if we'll be talking about it in years to come, but I reckon we'll be talking about it for a while. I'm I'm going to go completely um, left of centre here, mate. And I I'm going to say, and it is random for Essendon at the SCJ. I think we're going to win, and I think we'll win reasonably well. So I'm going to. I'm going to put myself on the line here and open myself up for I told you so's and, and abuse, but I think that's that's the random thing that will happen on Saturday night. We're actually going to get a good win up there. What about Excellent. you? Well, I, I'm i not that confident because I'm used to, you know, something going wrong uh, against Sydney. And, and we this, that's actually the first prediction we've, we've made on this show. We're yeah, nine we, weeks we in. Promised actually... we, we promised we weren't going to give tips, didn't we? So, yeah, yeah, I've broken our own rule. Sorry, mate. No, that's all right. I'll... Um... 
I, what am I going to say? I think I'm going to go random, random thing. If Buddy plays, he's going to kick zero. That's that's the random thing. I think we'll be talking about that for a while. You know, Buddy not kicking a goal against Essendon. I think that'd be a big story. Uh, yeah, wishful thinking, maybe, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, we will, mate. I'm I'm looking forward to this one. Um, yeah, I think they're a team that that you know Swans play some exciting footy at times. They got a lot of good young players. I think we do too. I think they're. Um, I think we match up quite nicely against them. So um, yeah, Touchwood, it's a it's a good game, and um, and we can get another win on the board. Absolutely. Just again, thanks to everyone who who listened live and who's listening uh, on the podcast. We've actually had some uh, two really nice reviews come up on on Apple reviews. So thanks to those people who who did that. Yeah, again, thanks to everyone who's who's tuning in and, and sharing sharing the pod and, and getting involved with us on on Twitter. It's really uh, makes it really enjoyable. Uh, even more so when we win like we did last week. Yeah, absolutely. And if anyone is listening to this on the pod or, or through Twitter and you've got some questions post-match that you'd like us to talk about, um, in particular to how we played um, and you'd like us to explore when we come and do this next week, um, yeah, I'll hit us up on Twitter. Um, I'm Jonathan uh, Jonathan J. Walsh and, um, and Ian's Kiptastic1. So, um, yeah, look us up or, or find the hashtag on the start and find us that way and um, and yeah shoot us a message or a DM and, and we'd be happy to have a chat about it next week but yeah thanks again Humi great fun as always mate um, yeah go Dons excellent go Dons <laughs>